This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 359 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Total Saddle Fit, and 2K Gray. Today we're going to be talking eventing dressage with Marilyn Little, and we're going to be joined by one of our listeners for the Total Saddle Fit Trainer Tip. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. And today we're joined by Coach Jen, who is a rare guest on our show. <laughs> Producer <Hi>. Coach <laughs> Jen is here. <laughs> oh, I love it. How's Coach Jen today? Coach Jen is doing fabulously. I'm sitting here with a bowl full of trail mix. And a lemonade, and I'm going to sit back and enjoy the chit-chat, because uh, Marilyn Little is always a great interview. Yes, and you have some big news. You guys had a new addition to your family we this did. week. We did. We did. We so exciting. Yeah, Nigel came into our, our lives. Nigel is a thoroughbred, although he's not an off-the-track thoroughbred, because he was just too putsy to race at all. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Some, but, uh, some of them lack the competitive edge. Yes. He does. He lacks a competitive edge. His favorite thing to do is eat alfalfa hay and sleep, <laughs> oh. apparently. And sleep. And sleep. That He's like a big amazing. baby that way. He just eats and sleeps. That's all he does. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we're very excited about uh, our oh, big that's new adventures. So fun. That's exciting. Well, we can't wait to watch. And it's always fun when you add a new horse to the team. It's really fun. So we wish you lots of luck. Thank you. For sure. <laughs> so Reese, so- what's, what's new with you? What's, what's going on in Kentucky? Goodness, it, we had just an absolutely beautiful day today. It was, was one of those days. Here, yeah. yeah, I have to be honest. It was one of those days where I was like, you know, I just cannot be in the ring right now. So we have pull to the like, roof off every, that indoor. Yeah, we're like pull the roof off. Let's go outside. So we did some cross training today. Everybody went outside. It was really, it was perfect. It wasn't hot. It wasn't cold. The bugs weren't out. You know, it's just one of those days. It was just wonderful. So we had a really, really fun time uh, playing today and. Goodness, we're sort of back in routine now. It's it this for some reason it took a long time this year to sort of get back organized, but we're back and organized and super excited to be doing stuff. So yeah, well, how about Rolex you? Rolex is coming up, right? Yes, Rolex is starts. Rolex is coming up, and that's actually what's going to be fun about um, Marilyn Little. She is a competitor in Rolex, and so that's going to be really fun. Sort of hear about what she's up to and. You know, again, Rolex is one of the largest horse events in the United States. And, oh, the shopping. It's amazing. But after Florida, I probably shouldn't. Um, yeah, what are you doing? But it's so <laughs> nice. So, yeah. So, it's going to be really fun. So, I'm looking forward to that. And Rolex is always fun. And pray for good weather and all that good stuff. So, really, really looking forward to it. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess in the news, I just heard about this uh Century Link Center in Omaha, Nebraska is going to be hosting a CDI four-star. Um, it's going to be going on May 5th to the 7th. Um, I guess they're doing this in preparation. They, uh, Omaha, I don't know if everybody knows this yet, but they will be hosting the World Cup final in 2017. So they decided to host a big show there, and there's going to be uh, a few Olympic 
sort of contenders going there, and uh, it should be great. Our friend Lauren Spritzer, I think, is uh, going going to show there. Yeah, no, I am really looking forward to hearing about it. That's it's a really cool thing, and I think it's going to be great. Omaha. For... How far is Omaha from Omaha. Kentucky? Oh, really far. It's far. <laughs> I just don't very far. Omaha with you know. Yeah, no, it's going to be new and a, a new and interesting venue. Yeah, they have a new they they have a new venue. Uh, well, it's, I think they host events at this. Um, it's a huge convention center, and they host a lot of horse events, a lot of Western events there. So um, it was interesting that they kind of got the World Cup bid. I think everyone was shocked after uh, Las Vegas because, um, as Philip and I can you know do, and, and you guys listen to the show, we had a blast at the world cup in Vegas. So, uh, it'll be interesting to hear how Omaha is, but this is their test event. And I think there are 10, um, people competing. Our friend Lauren Spreiser, we will definitely get her on to hear yeah. what it's like, but it's almost hard. It's far. It's far from here. I 18, 19 hours. I, I don't know. Far. Really? Um, yeah. It's far from here. It's crazy. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah. So I, I really wish them well. I think it's always interesting, the test events. You know, we went through lots of test events here in Kentucky um, before the WEG. So, yeah, it'll be really fun. So, right. yeah. Well, uh, after according, this commercial? According to oh, MapQuest, it's only 11 hours and 36 minutes. Okay, 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> after doing a 12-hour haul not recently, yeah, that's, that's far. <laughs> okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be flying on a plane. <laughs> I don't know yeah. about you, Phil, but yep. yeah, I'm gonna yeah, I'm yeah. gonna do that. And I yeah. looked I looked it up on the map, and it uh, appears that the entire route is under construction. Oh, <laughs> so now back to the 18 hours. Yes, Let's exactly. You were right the first time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it'll be interesting, and and Philip and I will be going next year. We're already looking forward to it, and uh, so it'll be interesting to hear how that test event goes. So, yeah, for sure. All right, after this commercial from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to have Marilyn Little. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissue. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, this evening, I am so excited to have 2K Gray Ambassador and 2015 Individual and Team Gold Medalist at the Pan Am Games and the 2014 U.S. Team Alternate, Marilyn Little on the show. Welcome. 
Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, we are so very excited um, because, you know, things here in Lexington, we're getting all excited about Rolex Kentucky three-day event that's coming, and you are on the start list, so I am super excited to see you in person up here. (laughs) Well, it's a busy time, and I can tell you that Rolex fever is happening all over the country and probably all over the world. It's not just there in Lexington, but um, whether you're here in Ocala or Aiken or Southern Pines preparing, everybody is at a fever pitch, and so are the horses. So this is an interesting time to talk about dressage and what's coming up with for these really fit horses and how how they're preparing for their event in Rolex and also um, for other people that are just preparing towards their goal event, whether it's a three-day event or just their, their targeted season closer. No, I think it's fantastic. And um, for our listeners, Marilyn, tell, tell, you are actually a very, very accomplished show jump rider as well, correct? <laughs> I've, I've, show jumping was my first sport and I didn't start eventing until about six years ago. I started riding on the U.S. team in 1999 when I was uh, 18, 17, 18. So I've had a, a far more experience with that. But, um, it's incredible. Go fully into eventing um, <laughs> around 2000, I don't know, 2010 or so and never looked back. And I definitely do both sports full time. And uh, especially at this time of year, I have to say it really does, eventing really does take center stage at this time of year because as the horses are gearing towards a 3D event, such as Rolex or Newland or Poe or Burley, even even any CCI, um, you're dealing with a horse that's just requiring so much time and so much focus. So it's um, at this time of year, it's, it is all about eventing for me. Oh, well, I mean, we are just, we're in awe of you. We were talking off the air about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm trying to master one sport, let alone mastering (laughs) all three. And you've been on the team for two. I mean, that's incredible. So tell us, we we wanted to chat a little bit today about, you know, what is it like to ride a horse that's this fit in in the dressage stadium? And you have to go into the Rolex stadium. It is a very, very electric environment during Rolex. And, and how do you train? I mean, how do you, how do you do that? Because that's not something that we would, would always come across really in in dressage. Oh, you picked me because I'm riding a chestnut mare, didn't you? (laughs) 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 We have no biases here. We have no biases. You went down the list and said, okay, she's riding a chestnut (laughs) mare. She's going to have something to say about this. (laughs) Well, you're right. I love chestnut mares. They're my favorite, actually. So that's why we picked you. Well, I love this chestnut mare. (laughs) Um, Demeter is a very special horse. She's 14 years old, and she's going to be my partner at Rolex again this year. I think she's jumped five or six, four stars, completed five or six, and probably um, we had one or two bad runs, and so she's probably around seven seven um, stars. But wow. um, she's coming in this year as a seasoned competitor, and she, she loves Rolex. It is electric, and luckily she is, uh, she, I, I know her very well, at those grounds and, and make no mistake. She knows those grounds as well. As soon as she pulls in, she knows where she is as do so many horses that go back to the same event year after year, or even a local event that someone pulls into the horse knows where they are. And it's obviously it's a, it's much more of a task to get the same level of work and qu- quality of movement that we have at home and take that into an event setting. Uh, that is a real challenge, especially 
on horses that may be a little more keyed up as the season goes on due to fitness or due to progressive runs or even just due to nerves that we feel as riders um, you know, because we want to do well at the goal events and um, personal pressures. So balancing all of those things is, is tricky as, as the season goes on and knowing what you're up against is a big part of, a big part of it. I like to start early in the season and try to break it down what's going to be, what the season will hold and what my goals are for that horse that season. And um, looking at your scores from the season before, knowing does my horse deteriorate as it gets more fit? Yeah. Do I lose <laughs> relaxation and rhythm? <laughs> Sometimes <Yeah>. submission. <laughs> Did it all go out the window? <laughs> and at what point does it start to fall apart? Or at what point do you realize it's falling apart, falling apart and say, you know what, I, I guess to refocus on, on the relaxation and, and the rhythm and, and go back to the basics. And um, I, I've picked apart my scores plenty. I've had a few years to do it, but whether or not you've had that um, that luxury because you've had partner for a while, you can still make a good plan for yourself. And I think that it's important if you're going to be training new movements, whether they be lead changes, square halts, new extensions, to try to get those done a little earlier in the season while your horse is in quiet fit and they haven't had those progressive runs and they just are a, a little bit a little bit more relaxed. Um, that's a great time to to focus on those uh, what, and know what tests you're going to want to do that year. And also to incorporate any new changes that are going to be coming in your horse's season, whether it's, it's new tack, uh, you know, maybe you're stepping up to a double bridle or you want to you know, start a fly bonnet. The week before the event is probably not the best time. <laughs> not a good that. plan, right? That's not the best advice. <laughs> do not change anything. You know, if you didn't, if you didn't find the success at home, you're probably not going to find it in the ring. So don't that last minute bridle change. Although you may feel like you have to have it, probably best just give it a minute. Don't do it. Remember this interview. Don't do it. It's rarely, rarely appreciated by our fault. I can say. That is so true. We've all done it, and it's a done. and we have all done it. We have all done it, and and nine times out of ten, you look back Doesn't and think, work. no, that wasn't that wasn't great. So you know, plan for those things, and um, <laughs> then try to stay the course. I I have to say, as you're getting closer to the event, um, and as many of us are, or in the case of Rolex, where it's uh, the nerves of the nerves start racking up the month and two months previous. Try to have a plan for what's coming just before the event, whether it's the week of the event or uh, in the case of Rolex, many of the competitors will roll in on Monday and they're not going to do dressage until Thursday or Friday. So there's a whole week <laughs> that you really need to have a plan for. Um, for for me in particular, because I do ride so many mares and they're, yes, the, the legends are sure they are. <laughs> I tend to be a bit hotter sometimes. Um, to really know what those hot buttons are, you know, does your horse tend to get tighter in a in the dressage saddle? Maybe you incorporate the jump saddle to work them in, and have a plan for where where you want to get to by the time you're going into the ring. Certainly, the first ride on Tuesday morning, if you've rolled into Rolex on Monday night, first ride on Tuesday morning is the hardest because you feel like you should like everything you had at home should be there with you. And sometimes it just isn't. And that has to be okay because it is what it is. And demanding that 
you had that, that all of those tools are going to be in play can wreck your entire week right up front. And you'll see it if you go out there on Tuesday morning at Rolex. You see a bunch of people out there, and you know they're trying so hard. And fair enough. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal. But the horse didn't get the memo. And maybe knowing where you want to be five rides, four rides from that point and say, you know what, it's enough to just go out and have a nice rhythm, get them relaxed, review the half halt, review some transitions, is my horse on the seat? And, and maybe, not, maybe you have none of that. Let's say you want to get to that by the second ride, the third ride, and then you can start polishing some things for your test. But until you have those, those basics back and you've got your, your old partner back, it's not so wise to go, that's not the moment to practice your extensions or decide you want to review the flying changes on Tuesday morning. <laughs> um, then that, that makes for a very long week for the horse and a miserable week for, and, and ulcers for the rider because you, yeah. you, you know you've already lost it. Um, I, I have to say Rolex is, it's, a, it's an advantage for me to have been there several times. I know the property very well. And for, for many people that are heading towards their, their CCI or their three-day event, it's, if you haven't been to the property, you don't know the facility, it's very wise to take the time to get to know it because maybe your horse shouldn't see the cross-country course before the dressage, <laughs> you know, before it goes to dressage. Maybe you need to find you know, which ways you can walk or where you can go and hack out so you don't end up in a galloping lane and suddenly have a horse that is so keyed up that's, that is now really not ready to go down center line. So knowing knowing what's coming is and where you are, so that you can plan your ride is ideal. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that, I makes, think that helps. A lot yeah, of time. I think that helps too. When you first go, I think it it helps the nerves if you kind of can look at the facility and know what you're you're up against in a way. I think that that yeah. also helps the rider a lot. And I think yeah. you know these are great tips for anybody going to a big competition i mean these are uh, you're competing at the international level but you know all these are the same tips i mean it's no different at the international level Absolutely. than it is you know your regional championship level or, or all of that i mean these are such great tips sure. um, and, you know it, it even if it's uh you you might find that maybe you find that you're you need to go out there and, and do some work in the jump saddle and help get them relaxed. Maybe you need to find maybe you need to find a way to do a jump school for them just to help them blow off a little steam just so they can relax and you get their ribbon back. And you and it's and you can alleviate some of the pressure because that's not gonna help you in the ring. And I think this is you know, a lot of what we're saying is like you need experience, right? And there's nothing that, that does that for you than sort of getting out there and doing it. I think a lot of riders put a ton of pressure on themselves, you know, maybe the first time going to regionals or the first time going to a huge competition. I think the first time is just, you know, sort of figuring things out, having a good time. And then, you know, maybe your second time at Rolex is going to be a lot more successful because you, you can do better planning and you know what you've got, right? Or your fourth or your fifth. Or your <laughs> yeah, or your tenth, you know. I, I mean, this, this sport, whether it's dressage, eventing, show jumping, you see, you know, the best competitors are not, not always, you know, the young guns coming up, but the people who've been there quite a few times. Absolutely, and one of the most one of the most insightful things that someone once said to me was, you know, I've been to Rolex now ten times, and each of those ten times I've ridden a different horse. I said, "What do you mean a different horse?" He said, "Well, the horse that I had in the morning was different than the horse that I had when I went into that atmosphere. It's a different horse that I had in the test." I thought, "Well, that's." That's disheartening, <laughs> but it's true. And that's hard. Yeah, that makes it hard. 
It's unfortunate, but the, as we all know, the best laid plans go awry. And even though you might have a great plan for your week and you've been training well and uh, you have a plan for your warm-up and you know what what you want to hit on in the warm-up, do you, do you want to do lead changes? Do you uh-huh. not want to do lead changes? Do you think that it's a good time for fine-tuning? Or are we going to need to just go long and low and round and, and make sure that they're moving and supple? Have a plan for your warm-up and be prepared that maybe that horse that you rode the mo- that morning or the day before is not going to be the horse you have in the day and just can't panic about that and be ready to adjust your ring ride for the horse that showed up. <laughs> yeah. You can't push Huge. for, you know, you can't push for all of the movement. Maybe you just need to say, you know what, it's enough on a day like this to come out and say, well, it was it was reasonably submissive. We had a nice rhythm. We had, there were moments of relaxation, and, <laughs> and you pulled it off because that that is that is horses, and we're just not machines, and that's part of why we love them because it is it is endlessly entertaining, and it's moment to moment, and uh, it is gonna <laughs> that is gonna happen. And it is. And I think that that's so, I think you again, have to be ready for that. And I think sometimes riders try to make things really complicated in the warm up, And sometimes it's better to keep it simple, keep it very simple instead of like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that, you know, always sort of going back and you're, you've been talking about that as you check your basics and you see, you know, where you are and what you're doing. And, you know, I think that that's true. It happens at every competition and every event. And I think, you know, that's your experience showing right there for sure. Well, case in case in point, I, I will give you a few anecdotes. I had a, a horse that I was really struggling on and a, a good part, a partner for a while. And I, she just was very tense that day. We were at Jersey fresh and David O'Connor walked out. And he said, how's it going? And said, well, it's not going so well, actually. <laughs> as, as if you hadn't already noticed. Yeah. So well. Why don't you bring her back and do 10 walk trot transitions? I, I wanted to ask him if he, if he knew how soon I was going to go in the ring. I'm <laughs> doing the math in my head thinking, I don't have time. I could do five. <laughs> but I think I got 10 done, but, but, you know, and then I even had a little more time to just make a couple circles. And suddenly I went back to the basics at that very heated, very tense moment. And just coming back to something we knew, the transitions, you know, put her back on my hand, put her back in my seat and just, we found a rhythm again that we could, we could then salvage the test with. Was it our best test? No, but it could have been so much worse. And I came out of it with a horse that was, able to go to her next event reasonably peacefully rather than a horse that came out thinking, Oh, that was a terrible experience. And, and, and it, it, it was worse. It was bad in the warm up, and it went worse in the ring. Uh, and sometimes it is a simple solution like that. And coming back to something that you know, you can accomplish. What are you going to do if things go wrong? Well, <laughs> if, if you're out jumping, okay, I'm going to shorten my range. I'm going to put my heels down and I'm going to kick on. And in the, in the little sandbox, it's, all right, I'm going to come back, find the rhythm, do some practice what you're good at for a moment, and then and then put it behind you. And if the warm-up area doesn't go well, then leave it in the warm-up area and get on with it in the ring. Yeah, no, I think that that's amazing advice. I think that's good. I'm going to add shorten your reins, great too. great advice, yeah. More than likely, you're probably going to shorten your reins in the sandbox, too. Just saying. <laughs> yes, it's <that's> true. <laughs> <laughs> for sure and Marilyn you are gonna be really beautifully decked out in your 2k gray pants at Rolex I have a feeling can you tell us a little Absolutely. bit about tell us a little bit about your fashion going into Rolex <laughs> well, well 
Well, Two K Gray has been a it's been a fun alliance for me. It's um it's a great company. It's a real mix of fashion and function, and of course you know that I love the fashion and the bling and um they're they're comfortable and they're fun. But they've I've worn them at jogs and Nations Cups. I've worn them at Four Stars. I've worn them in the ring. I've I've worn them afterwards to the to the competitors party, and it, it's just a it's a really great line, and they're really great fun people behind it, and um. I, I will be. I will be there with, at Rolex. Which pair you won't know yet, but um, <laughs> sported. I sported some at Buccalo Cross Country Day, and also uh, at the Jog. Both Jogs, I think. And, oh, um, I love it! Yeah, I, that's I always, what a I great enjoy place it. to wear them. Yeah, great place to wear the wear the pants as the Jog. That is fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Well, Marilyn, we are going to be watching you here at Rolex. After meeting you, I am going to be cheering big time from the stands. And how can our don't listeners- cheer too loudly? We want to keep her calm after you're done. <laughs> after you're done, don't worry. We we will there keep it shushed until after you're done for sure. So, uh, Marilyn, how can our listeners find you online if they have any questions about Two K Gray and or about all your horses and your experience? Well, you can see so you can check us out on the website at www.ravenfarms.com, R-A-Y-L-Y-N-F-A-R-M-S. And you can also find me on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram at Marilyn Little. And um, come find us for the course walk at Rolex. I we hosting a course walk, I believe, on Thursday afternoon, but I can that, that all that information will be posted online on the Facebook account. Great. Well, thanks so much and good luck at Rolex. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Two K Gray's mission is to honor a woman's adventurous spirit by creating apparel that offers comfort while riding, plus style when you're not. In 2011, Grand Prix rider and entrepreneur Chris Pinto joined forces with fashion industry veteran Meryl Ranzer to create a chic and sophisticated line of performance riding breeches that look and feel better than your favorite pair of jeans. The line, made for women by women, is now being expanded and refined by teaming up with global equine manufacturer and distributor Intrepid International and notable fashion designer Kia Tomlin. 2K Gray offers serious riding clothes that are sturdy in the saddle, yet slimming, stunning, and sophisticated everywhere else. Each detail, from pocket shape to seam placement, is designed to enhance a woman's silhouette and to celebrate different body types. The collection is machine washable and proudly designed in the USA. Check out the new and exciting designs at 2kgray.com. That's the number 2, the letter K, G-R-E-Y, dot com. You can also follow them on Facebook at 2kgray. Feel better and ride better. 2kgray. If you're coming to Kentucky Horse Park for the Rolex or any other event, the best way to complete your Rolex experience is to stay at the nearby Clarion Hotel, just four miles from the horse park. At the Clarion Hotel, your experience will include a great room featuring a Tempur-Pedic 
memory foam bed, flat screen TV, and in the morning, a full free hot breakfast with eggs, sausage, waffles, and other great breakfast items. The Clarion is a full-service hotel with easy access off of I-75 at exit 115 with plenty of parking for your truck and trailer. The Clarion Hotel is also pet-friendly, so you can always bring along your furry friends. Best of all, you don't have to leave the hotel to enjoy fantastic Kentucky-style food and drink. Cortland's Southern Kitchen offers innovative Southern fare and a casual atmosphere, or you can relax at the Sports Page Bourbon Bar and Grill, where you can give the bourbon sampler a try. It's a great way for you and your friends to discover which Kentucky spirit is your favorite. If you're coming to Rolex, you better get your reservation in early. 859-233-05. That's 859-233-0512. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, this week for our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, we have listener Allison Ball on the line. Allison, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. We're super excited. So, Allison, tell us a little bit about your horse and what your um, kind of question slash concern is with him. So, I have a a relatively new mare. Uh, Her name is Piper. She just turned 10 years old. She's uh, part Irish draft, part thoroughbred, and um, I've had her since the new year, so about four months now. Um, she uh, and I do eventing with her, or at least I'm starting to. She has evented quite a bit in the past, and then I'm just kind of new to eventing myself. Um, so one of the things that I've um, noticed with her uh, as I've been working on my dressage is that she's. She seems to be almost a different horse to the left side than she is to the right. So um, I've been trying to kind of stick to the dressage pyramid principles, and I have a really great coach. But I just find myself, especially when I ride alone, not really knowing how to work on that. Because then I feel like she hangs on the inside rein the more I try to bend. And then I get frustrated, and then it feels heavier, and then it doesn't feel light at all. So then I just think, well, why don't I ride to the right side, and (laughs) everything will be better. (laughs) And then I kind of avoid the left side, but I know that's not the way to go about it. Let's face it. We've all done it. We've all done that route. It's it's normal. Very normal. Well, Phil, do you want to jump in first? Do you want to start? With well, I guess we got to we got to sort of diagnose the issue, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, my first question for you, Allison, is um, how reactive is the horse off your left leg? You know, she's she's not bad after the, after a good warm up. Like my coach encourages me to do a lot of transitions with her and get her off my leg in the first you know ten fifteen minutes, and she she comes along pretty well. I think I'm the one who's learning more from her than the other way around. So yeah, yeah. I'm starting to, good, good. I'm starting to kind of get that <laughs> um have you uh, have you I, approached i think she's not as reactive on the left to my leg than the right for sure yeah so have you approached any kind of leg yield as of yet yeah we've been doing some leg yielding um but again she's much better with her leg yield to the right than to the left she'll do it um and, and she certainly does it great when when my coach rides her <laughs> but uh, she's definitely not as smooth with her leg yield and reactive to the left side so I've got one. 
Um, Allison, what's she like in the right rein going to the left? Hmm, that's a that's a good one. Um, you know, we do do some suppling exercise. Do you mean like bending to the outside when you're going to the right? Well, well do you have what's, what you mean? what's your connectivity level like? So it sounds like you have quite a lot of pressure in your left rein. How much pressure mm-hmm. do you have in your right rein, if any? When I'm going to the right. When you're going to the left. Oh, when I'm going to the to the left. Well, I try to increase pressure on the outside rein because I'm trying uh-huh. to like go inside leg, outside rein. But then, Good. but then she's just straight. She has no suppleness at all. So then I try to like bend her to the inside, but then I just got to keep hauling and hauling and hauling. And then I get her where I want her, but then it's like she's hanging on that inside and I don't know how to get her off the inside rein. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think Phil is definitely going in the direction I would also go in. Um, but I would add in, have you tried to turn on the forehand at all? Mm. Not much of that. No, I haven't. That would be the one of the first things that I would do because what it sounds like to me is this is a pretty common problem uh, that a horse mm-hmm. is pulling on one or the other. It's the stiff mm-hmm. versus the hollow side. So it's very common, this problem. Uh, I, you know, I have multiple horses in my own barn that are doing that. And one of the things that I always think about is what is happening actually in the opposite rein because mm-hmm. she has a lot of pressure on the left rein and you're trying to push her to the right rein going to the left, mm-hmm. which is your outside rein. And more than likely, there's not a lot of pressure there. Mm-hmm. So when you ride a turn on the forehand and, a, you know, technical classical turn on the forehand is from a halt, mm-hmm. a 180 degree turn off the inside leg to the outside rein or a, a 360 degrees all the way around. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes with a younger horse or a stiffer horse, it, it, kind of going from the halt to the turn to the halt um, is a little bit more challenging. So sometimes I like to make that turn on the forehand a little bit bigger. And Mm -hmm. as you're making that turn on the forehand a little bit bigger and asking the horse to step laterally, so bringing that left hind leg sort of between the two front legs, so you're asking him to step laterally, you're going to start to get some pressure in your right rein. Mm -hmm. And that would be what I would challenge you to do is we always focus on the stiff side and we pull and pull and pull on the left rein, in this case, the left rein, but mm-hmm. there's nothing in the right side or the outside rein. So right. what I would say is in the leg yielding, the leg yielding is driving her to your outside rein and your outside leg, your outside rein, leg and the leg in the leg yield is a relatively neutral leg. It's just making sure that the horse doesn't sort of pass the plane that you want the horse to be on, mm-hmm. but you want to, think about putting the horse in that right rein. So that would be sort of my challenge to you is as you're leg yielding, either leg yielding or doing a turn on the forehand is increasing the pressure on the right side and decreasing the pressure on the left side. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's not counter flexion. That's not what we're talking about. That's different. That's a different, you know, a lot of people are really against counter flexion and, um, Certainly, I've used it. I know Phil has used it. But in this case, you just have a a, a problem with your inside leg to outside rein connector. That connector is where the issue is. Um, Right. And, and, you know, and we didn't didn't sort of qualify this and and ask, but, you know, have you sometimes, and this may not be with your mare, but whenever I have a horse that significantly hangs on one rein or the other, I have a really good chiropractor and a really good veterinarian. Mm. And I always Mm -hmm. get that horse checked. I always want to know, you know, maybe there is something 
physically with that horse that we can help. Um, so I like to always say that first. I'm not saying it all with your mare. That's what we've got going on. But right. um, I always check that, you know, because, right. um, you know, I have a horse that also hangs significantly on the left side. And he has he's always since he was a baby had some problems with the left side of his body. So we know mm. chiropractically that he has some issues and just strength wise. And he must have fallen or something and gotten an injury on that left side. So mm. it's always something. So he hangs on that left side because he's weak on that side. And because, you know, there are some chiropractic issues that are going on. Now, right. Again, I always like to say that because I think that's important when you have such a significant difference from the left and the right. Yeah. Um, and then you, you did bring it up, and I think it's important to, um, when you have a horse that's stiff on one side, you do need to work evenly on both directions. You do need yeah. to go sort of the right side. That's, that's good. That's a really good thing. Um, yeah. it, but sometimes we have a tendency even to stay too long on the stiff side. So in your case, the left side. And so mm -hmm. everybody's exhausted. So I think it's important yeah. to think, okay, I'm going to change rain every five to seven minutes, if not sooner, um, yeah. to sort of help, help with that. Right. Phil, what, Phil what, what else would you add to this one? Yeah, I think that's good. You know, I just want to, um, you know, add a, a little bit of different wording. I mean, it's, it's, uh, in the beginning, especially, um, training level horses and first level horses, when they're learning to bend, that it's the job of the horse to fill up the outside rein, not the rider to, to start increasing the contact. Because like you said, then the horse just ends up straight or counterflexion. So, um, you know, I think about these horses as, you know, three-year-old, four-year-old horses. Um, sometimes what I'll do is I will carry a short, uh, like a jumper whip or, or crop or bat or however you want to say. And, and the horse needs to learn to take the weight off the inside foreleg. So this is, in this case, it's the left foreleg, right? When you're going towards the left. Um, no amount of pulling will teach the horse to take the weight off of it. So what you can do, even when you're going straight, is I, you know, add a little bit of left leg. And if the horse doesn't move off my leg, um, you know, I, I'm going to give the horse a little tap on the shoulder. That's going to, you know, if you're in trot, that increases the activity of the right hind anyways. And it'll teach the horse to, to, to move away from that side, right? They just sort of get get um, just one side balanced and, and just always pushing down on down and maybe sometimes too much forward or you know running a little bit into the left shoulder. So I like the mm -hmm. exercise to just start it in the halt or the walk, like like reset. Turn on the forehand is great. Then you develop and walk towards leg yield and say not only do you need um, the horse to understand that leg pressure move, needs the horse to move away. But also, when you make pressure from your hand, the horse needs to, to find somewhere else to put the weight, not onto your hand, right? You have, right. To, you have to use that, right? Because if, if you don't teach them that a little bit, then, then that's what they're going to do, right? Because you, what you're doing is you're offering, when you bring contact on that left side, is offering even more support for their weight. So you're just right. adding to the problem, right? No matter how much you, turn, you try and turn the nose or whatever, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a pull and now you're supporting the problem. So what I like to do yeah, is put the leg on. Yeah, I feel like sometimes it's become a bit of a vicious cycle. And then I, yeah, and then if I'm running sure. alone, I don't want to perpetuate a problem. So then I just stop, right? Yeah. Right. Because so, yeah. she, she finds your hand as a, as a supportive for adding even more weight onto that shoulder, right? Right. What it should be is, you know, I take a little contact and the whip is right there on the shoulder. And I just, I, I just give a little tap, tap to say, when I add my contact, the horse must figure out a way to move away from the contact. 
Right. Yeah. And, that makes and sense. by, by instinct, horses don't know that. And that's why I talk about this as a, as a three-year-old problem, because, you know, when you steer a three-year-old, when you pull on one rein, the horse goes into that rein. Right. right. And that works in the beginning, but as you develop the horse, the horse needs to learn to move away from pressure. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So not yeah, only from absolutely. the leg, but through the whole body, because the leg sort of, I think about the leg is controlling the middle of the horse and the hind leg of the horse, right? To push it around, you know, push it away from you. Um, but there's not much that says, you know, the shoulder has to always move, also move away too. Yeah. So... Those are, you know, little, little tricks and depending on the horse, you know, in the situation, but those are a couple of little things that I, that I, um, yeah. think about when I'm training the youngsters and, and, and the oldsters that, that, uh, that need this developed, this idea developed. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You know, I was watching, um, one of my, well, I, I'm lucky enough to ride at a barn that has two fantastic coaches and usually I ride with one but I was riding with the other this one particular time and he got on my horse first and I was watching him warm her up a little bit and he almost the entire warm-up he was like yielding her like just very Mm -hmm. subtly but just you know all these warm-ups just to like get her supple and get her loose and get her listening to his leg and just even watching the warm him warm her up helped me with this problem because I didn't realize that you could do that I guess I just never really thought of that (laughs) yeah yeah, no, it's really important. So, no, I think that mm-hmm. that's great. So, we've given you lots of tips, and we'd love to hear sort of an update on how things are going. How does that yeah, sound? That sounds great. You know, I've, I've been so excited to to get her. I unfortunately lost my last horse late last year, and so this has been another new adventure for me to to pair up with her. And we've come a long way, and now we're starting to get into show season. So, I'm I'm pretty excited to see kind of how things go for us. Awesome. Well, good luck with her. Have fun and keep in touch. Yeah, thanks so much for all your advice. This tip brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The saddle fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time, we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At TotalSaddleFit.com. Visit TotalSaddleFit.com. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. And we, we've actually gotten several, haven't we, Phil? Yeah, it's been a little bit busy. We're, we're yeah, going to have to try it. and get to these. <laughs> I think that uh, Coach Jen has this one for us from uh, the Facebook auditors page. That is correct. The HRN auditors page. This one is from Lindsay. And she writes, after two months of battling abscesses from <clears throat> you know where, I think my horse might be sound again. Now that I have a, have a lot of conditioning to make up for, besides what besides standard hill work, 
what can I do to help build up his butt muscles? My horse has shivers, which means his rear end takes longer to put muscle on. And when he's out of work, the muscles atrophy faster than an average horse when he's out of work. Help. Yeah, so um, I've had two horses in training that have had shivers. So I, by no means, I'm, I'm throwing this out there, I am an expert in shivers. Um, because it is, shivers, you really need to work with your veterinarian on shivers because it is kind of a, a tricky one. Um, it really does, the horse has, I think it's a neurological disorder. And so it is important if your horse has shivers that you have a really good plan with your veterinarian. Um, but I think that this is sort of coming back from any injury um, is, it, you know, it, just like any athlete, if you are in a, you're going to the gym, you're in a program and let's say you sprain your ankle or something happens to your foot, you cut your foot, which is basically an abscess kind of sort of, um, and you're, in, you're out of work for two months, it's really hard to get back in routine. So I think you can kind of think of this question as that. And, and so when we are bringing a horse back from any injury, this is even without the shivers, um, we try to have a really clear plan with a veterinarian. Um, and we work really closely with a veterinarian on what that plan is. So I sit down with them with the calendar and I kind of go through what a high level program is. And then the horse will tell you exactly what they can do. Sort of like you can't go back to the gym and start exactly what you were doing before you got hurt. <laughs> well, at least I can't. <laughs> Let's face it. Um, so I think you have to go at that in a real methodical way. Okay, today I'm going to go back and I'm going to do uh, 25% of what I was doing before, or I'm going to really work on leg strength or, or that type of thing. So I would first start with a really clear program with your veterinarian. Then I would, um, again, hill work is great. Uh, you know, any, any time with a shivers horse though, hill work would be very, very helpful. Um, lots of transitions and that may be even from walked up, walk to halt. You may do lots and lots of transitions from walk to halt. Um, that's very, very helpful. Um, so Phil, jump in. Do you have anything to add to this one? Yeah, I was just going to ask, um, you know, a good question is, you know, where was the horse in his training and development before the, the problem? Right. So, right. you know, sure. I, you know, we have lots of great exercises that apply to a second level horse or some exercises that apply to a, you know, Grand Prix horse. That's a little bit different, you know, so, um, sort of assess, you know, where the horse was at before and build up towards that. I know the horses with a, that have, you know, sort of a six month or a year off, then we're starting with just, you know, you have to build up to 30 minutes of walking, you know, because, mm -hmm. sure. um, uh, if the horse is not, you know, not only not conditioned at all, but not conditioned over the top line, then we have to build the top line and walk can do that for you. So, um, I know we recently had a horse that's come back from some injury. And so we started, you know, until we built up from 15 minutes of walk to 30 minutes of walk. And that took, uh, I think it was about three weeks. Yeah. Can take a long so, time. And then, so we, so, so we said, okay, now we can do 30 minutes of walk. Now I want to add five minutes of trot to that. So, it, and then we, you know, for a week we did 30 minutes of walk and then five minutes of trot and then 30 minutes of walk, 10 minutes of track. I mean, this is a really long process, you know, because you have to be easy on them. It's a lot easier to make a mistake of adding too much work or too much uh, exercises too fast than it is to make the other mistake of just going a little bit too slow. I think always try and have time on your side and, uh, and just take the time to do it right. So, um, you know, and then once we're sort of doing our, 
uh, then I just start to cut down the walk a little bit till it's 15 minutes, you know, so a really nice warm up for these horses, then 15 minutes of walk, 20 minutes of trot and 10 minutes of canter. That's when I start to do act- some actual yeah. exercises, transitions, um, you know, and so if we, I have a little bit more advanced horse, I, I don't think I don't have a huge problem in doing, uh, some walk canter transitions because I know the horse is to ha- handle that. It's not training. It's sort of just um, building muscle and 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 uh, and rebuilding the muscles. And, and the horse already knows those sort of exercises. So I'm not trying to teach anything new until you know maybe six six months down the road. Right? It's it's hard. It's just is you really have to take your time. I think that's the biggest thing. And then mm-hmm. you know um, all the exercises that we talk about week to week are great. You know, they all build muscle. They all improve your endurance and fitness and, and stuff like, you know, whether it's Traver or a little half pass. Um, but, yeah, for sure, it's we're always doing transitions. I think you'll hear that from a dressage person until uh, they're blue in the face because that's, that's, you know, when you go from a slower gait, really balanced into uh, the next gait or uh, an upper gait, you know, you're asking the horse to really balance and push from his hind legs, and that's how you build the butt. You know, I can't, I can't say more than that, really. It's, yeah. it's, no, I think that's great. I think that hopefully that gives you a, a good starting point. You know, like Phil said, it's, it is a little tricky when we don't quite know what the horse started with and, and, and where they are, but that is a good general discussion on sort of how you can methodically bring a horse back from an injury along with the other sort of with the shivers. So Phil, that was awesome. I have a question. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that got me thinking about this. Let's say you, for the sake of the discussion, we have a horse that Lindsay's horse is in that training level to first level range because probably 80% of the people out there, whoever rode a horse can relate to that level. And your horse is off because he has abscesses. When you bring him back to work, would it make sense to take the um, path that skills that he had before he had time off are ones that you want to work towards. In other words, he had a really good handle on staying straight at working gates and bending on 20-meter circles at working gates. So when you start to put him back into work, you start with transitions, walk to trot, trot to canter, and vice versa on straight lines and 20-meter circles. And you start to build on those, but you're not going to be adding new skill sets. If before he went off work, he wasn't able to do... A, B, and C, don't use those exercises as a way to help build his fitness back. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, no, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. for sure. And I think that that's, you know, where you've got to start. That's where you sort of, you know, you have to look like a Grand Prix horse. Let's say that they're off um, with a tendon injury or something. You won't pee off that horse for at least three months. You know, you, you, you they, yeah. just because it can pee off um, doesn't mean you anywhere want to go should. close. Yeah. That's right. And so, yeah, no, I think you have to look at what your horse does before the injury. And, you know, at training in first level, you know, when we bring the horses back or we're tack walking a horse, for me, that horse is still on the bit and they're still round and they're still in a frame. Um, You know, again, that's 90% of the time, barring something, you know, neck injury or something. But, you know, if if we're on the horse, um, we're going to work in some type of working frame. Does that make sense? So I, you know, if we tack walking, even if you're tack walking for 10 minutes, that horse is on the bit. It doesn't have to be in a Grand Prix frame. 
but it has to be round. It has to be soft. It has to, has to be using his body. Otherwise, it's not right. going to build any muscle whatsoever. Right. Or you build the wrong and, muscle that you have to rebuild. Yeah, like, and uh, and then it's in, you might as well you know stick it in the field, or yeah. you know, um, yeah, yeah. I mean that's, that's the thing. If if you're riding the horse, you ride the horse in the way in which you intend to go. You know, develop the training right. And uh, you know, I think a lot of times is you know don't just do transitions. I think. Uh, Fewer number of better quality transitions. Oh, thank you, Philip. Is the right answer. Thank you, Philip. Yeah, yeah. Quality, not right. You know, if I'm just kicking the horse forward and pulling the horse back, I'm not doing any good. It's quality, not quantity. Quality, not quantity. Yeah, and and think, you know, whenever you're on the horse, you're training him. So if you um, make a, a lot of excuses about the horse being off and him not being able to do the job, then you're 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 training him not to do the job. Also, right. Right. So if so, you if you just yeah. if you're still it. in the in the five minutes trot phase, do one good transition or, you know, mm-hmm. and then that's that's great. Uh, you know, and just, you know, just pulling and kicking and, and, and letting the horse be lazy doesn't work either. So I think I think you have to have, you know, have some some goal within the ride that you're going to you're going to do something. But yeah. um, you're you know, with three minutes of really good quality walk work and then yeah, taking out and hand walk him. Then 15 there minutes of crappy walk work. Yeah. Yeah. Makes perfect absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So quality, go, not Lindsay. quantity. Question. Yeah. Answer. There you go, Lindsay. Hope that helps. Cool. And uh, Jen, how do, how do our listeners, we talked a little bit about the auditor page. Can you tell us a little bit about that? The super secret horse radio yes. auditors <laughs> Facebook page. Yes. There are, there is an exclusive group of very generous folks who help support horse radio network programming by becoming auditors. And what you do is you go to dressageradioshow.com or horseradionetwork.com and you click on the banner that says become an auditor. And you can pay a monthly amount of money that you choose as little as a dollar. And that makes you one of the auditors and that money goes into a big old pool and it's split amongst the Horse Radio Network hosts and helps us keep the lights on here at Horse Radio Network. But that gives you the right to be in the Horse Radio Network Auditors Facebook page, which is a closed group and it's a lovely community of like-minded horse folks, like-minded in that they support one another, enjoy uh, hanging out together, and having a lot of fun. So yeah, that's what it's really fun. It's kind of cool. So yeah, it's really cool, and it, and they're all, it's very active, and and it's really fun because that's actually where this page came through, and I saw it pop through, and I said, oh, we'll we'll answer it tonight on the show. So, um, it is it is a fun thing for everybody to be a part of. So thanks for telling us, Jen. And everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can contact me best through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. 